Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, as I prayed about this message this morning, I couldn't help but think how the Holy Spirit has been weaving a theme uh, for the last couple of months. And if you look at this theme, which I'm going to remind us of um, and bring out a few points of it, and it will come to a point where uh, this is one of the things I'd like to incorporate in us as a a church family is uh, open it up each Sunday for somebody or some buddies to come up and say what they got out of the previous Sunday sermon. You know, so often we, we hear a message and off we go. And, you know, so often I'll, I'll hear it a lot. Boy, that was a great word, Pastor. And I'll go, thank you very much. What, what did you like about it? And they'll go, it was really good. It was really good. I, I liked it. <laughs> but I think it's good to recall what we've been taught. And so I'm hoping to do this. I've been wanting to do it for a while and I forget but to call on the congregation to come, uh, different ones come next Sunday, prepared to say something about what you heard during this message. And hopefully not one of my jokes. They're very forgettable. Are you ready? Next week, I'll call on you. Yeah. You know, one of our mottos, not one of our mottos, I think it's our motto. Vic coined it. We are a family-forward church. And I've been doing some thinking on that. What does that mean, family-forward? And I've also thought of this as I get ready to share this morning. Nothing puts a family forward like holiness. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we see that uh, you are a chosen people, a holy nation. It goes on in verse 10 to say, once you didn't have an identity... I really like that. Once you did not have an identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Found in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. I remember uh, going into a assisted living back east one time, and uh, my father-in-law was there, and Nancy would go and visit her dad each day. And, and I got... I would go and say hi to my father-in-law, and then I would go out and sit in the lobby and usually watch the aquarium. And after a couple of days, I noticed people kept coming by and saying to me, Hi, how you doing today? I, Good. And they real, they, I began to real, realize that they thought I lived there. <laughs> but I'll never forget there was this one lady, and they had her in a, a chair off in a, in a room, And she just kept hollering out, help me, I don't know who I am. 
was one of the saddest cries I've ever heard. Help me, help me. I don't know who I am. And I want to contrast that with, uh, as a chaplain at the hospital here, I saw a man's name there that, that I knew from years ago. And he and his wife, way back in the day when we were young Christians and part of a discipleship training center, he and his wife would come and bring us groceries all the time. And they were one Lord Jesus only people. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, but we are uh, one Lord Jesus only people too. Now, that is a particular doctrine that a lot of people get into. Our doctrine is that is, uh, is that uh, if that's what you want to believe, but we have fellowship in Christ and we believe in the same Jesus, then we agree with you. And anyway, they would come and they just loved us and they would bring groceries and, uh, and stuff uh, over the years. And their favorite thing every time you'd see them was, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, Hallelujah. How are you doing today? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. How's the car running? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, they just said that for everything. And uh, so I saw his name on the list, and I go in there to visit in his room, and he's not there. Physically, he's there. He's not there. And I say, um, how you doing? Do you? And I thought, well, I'll bring him to some recall. And I, I said, um, do you remember this? Do you remember this? My wife and I remember you and your wife and yeah. all the good things you did. And then I go, well, thank you, Jesus. And he goes, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Back to, and I'd go. Well, praise the Lord. And he'd go, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I thought, Lord, if I'm reduced to nothing at the end of my life, let it be reduced to where I have nothing but praise for you. Anyway, we're family forward. And nothing puts a family forward like holiness. I believe there's been a theme that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us over the past few weeks. I want to review. Uh, uh, several weeks back, Karen Wells ministered, and she coined this phrase, holiness, and I don't have it fully right. She'll correct us later in love. Holiness is an invitation to be like God. It's an invitation. It's not a demand. It's not a command. It's not a condemnation. It's not a pointing out your shortcomings. It's an invitation. I love that. If God is holy and he says, be ye holy like I am holy, I can't think of it approaching it any other way than through an invitation to know him. Vic spoke to us about Joseph. It says of Joseph, God was with him in all he did. In everything he did, he had God's favor. And my wife uh, was speaking, well, I got ahead of myself. Um, I spoke on Gideon. And what did 
God do with Gideon was the first thing he did was he went after Gideon's identity. He went right to the heart of the matter. He went right after his identity and he said, you are a man of valor. Gideon's hiding. Gideon's opinion of himself is I'm the lowliest of the lowly of the lowliest family in all of Israel, which is lowly. And God came in and he didn't point those things out to him saying, yeah, that's right, but we're going to work on it. We're going to work on it. We're going to get you some self-help books. We're going to get your feet on the right path, help you make better decisions in life. God went right after him and he said, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And then Nancy spoke to us about a highway of holiness. And knowing what God's plan for you is. And I had to do some meditation on that. The the concept of holiness and knowing God's plan for you. And what God has for you. And those two things are very connected. She spoke a lot about hearing from God and where you're to be and what you're to be doing. See, I believe when we're in the will of God, the world can be collapsing around you. But if you're in the will of God, you will have that divine protection, the divine direction, and the divine confidence to go forward. I want to take a look out of Acts chapter 16. Turn with me there. In Acts chapter 16 along with the idea of hearing from God of where, as to where you're to be. Sometimes we turn that into a bigger mystery than it needs to be. You know, sometimes God just says, that's where I want you to go. You make some decisions on how to get there. I've given you a free will. I want you to be your own person, and I want you to uh, discover me along the way. Here's where I've got for you to go. Go ahead and go. And uh, we all may pick a little different route. We went out berry picking here not long ago. And I noticed everybody picks a little different route, but we all ended up at the same top of the knoll up there. And we all discovered the same thing. We were too late. Somebody else had already got the berries. (laughs) But here we find in uh, Acts chapter 16... Verse 6, next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia. Phrygia, I think, is close to Alaska. (laughs) And Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word to the province of Mycia, or province of Asia at that time. I find this a very interesting passage. 
that they would come to the determination that the Holy Spirit would prevent them from preaching. Hmm. Is there an appropriate time to preach the gospel? Every time. Yeah, yeah, always. Yet, here the Holy Spirit was trying to do something. And to get their attention, he prevented them from preaching, from being received or getting to that place, getting to where they thought they were supposed to be going, uh, whatever the case may be there. But the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. And that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. I want you to see something in this verse. Knowing you're supposed to go this way and being prevented from going that way, and then, okay, well, we're going to go this way, and being prevented from going that way, it can begin to shake your confidence a little bit. Well, am I hearing? Am I hearing from God? You know, what's happening here? Why, why? I thought it was supposed to be like this. And here's Paul. He's like, okay, now I have this vision. And in this vision, this man keeps calling me, come over, come over, come over to Macedonia. And Paul, you would think the apostle that he is, said, let's go, guys. We're going to Macedonia. No, Paul, it says here, having concluded. In other words, he sat down with the others that he was with and said, I had this dream. Do you think it's the Lord? Is that the way we're supposed to be going? And they concluded, yes, it's the Lord. Let's go. And they went. And when they went to Macedonia, I believe the first results that they encountered were not what they expected. They expected a huge revival. They thought the tent would already be set up. The sound system would be perfect. Joel would be there operating the sound and and, and, uh, Jeff. And, you know, the overheads would be nice and crisp. It would be all set up for him. They found a couple women praying. And he preached the gospel to them. But because of that, the gospel, for the first time, made its way into Europe. And Europe, with the gospel in Europe, changed the world. And it came through a time where they weren't fully assured. They didn't go with just super confidence. They said, we've concluded this is what the Lord wants. Think about that when you're walking on your journey. Think about that, that as God is leading you in your journey. Hearing from God as to where you're to be isn't always just 
totally a clear bell. Sometimes it's you got to sit down with some other people that you know and trust and say, what do you think? I believe in God is telling me this. Good one is if you're married, you share it with your spouse. And if they say, well, if that's what God's telling you, go ahead, you're going alone. That may not be the thing you're supposed to do. (laughs) Now to talk about holiness, holiness can be an awkward subject for Christians today. It really can be. What is holiness? It all brings up all kinds of imaginations, I think. Um, And it's a word we don't often use today. There's a certain trick to that. You've got to stand on this corner over here, brother. No, get up here on this corner at an angle. I, I know this trick. And then kind of pull it out and pull it over this way more. There you go. <laughs> I love it. But as I said, holiness can be an awkward subject to talk about. You know, we can have all kinds of ideas about what holiness is. Holiness is the way you dress, that you wear your hair a certain way. Women got to wear a little hat in church. Uh, Men's beards, you know, uh, that's one way of defining your uh, or representing your holiness. I don't think defining it, representing your holiness But what is holiness? The more I carry on in my Christian journey, the more I realize it is about holiness. Not holiness that strips you of life's enjoyment, but the holiness that celebrates the purity and friendship, and the holiness that seeks after God's own heart. Yeah, I think we can pursue holiness from a whole wrong angle. I believe holiness is seeking after God's own heart and discovering that in that is tremendous joy, tremendous freedom, tremendous release, Tremendous identity. I don't think holiness is a supernatural set of rules that we're supposed to all fall short of. But a lot of times that's the way we define holiness. It's a supernatural set of rules and you're going to fall short. I think it's an everyday combination of good godly choices and a passion to love and know and serve God. Now this is not mine. This is I got out of a a saying here. I'm going to quote it. 
Holiness is not winning, but running. It's not success, but commitment. It's not about position, but servanthood. It's not about religion, but relationship. It's not about compromise, but devotion. Winston Churchill put it in these words during World War II at a time where the nation needed a lot of encouragement. He said this, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. The second we think we've reached that pinnacle of success, we find out there's the next one. The second you fail at something, you think, oh, that's it, it's all over. No, what we're seeing is the Word of God says this. Paul says, I have not obtained, but I do press on towards. I continue on towards the mark of the high calling of God. It's the, it's the courage to continue that counts. So this brings to mind King David. King David's a perplexing figure in the Bible. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that a man who was so prone to personal weakness should get the title of a man who seeks after God's own heart. seems like David got away with so much and still had God's favor. How is that? Why is that? Was David more special than others? He was many things. He was a shepherd. That was not an uncommon uh, skill set in his day. Um, he was a psalmist. He was a king. He was a liar. He was a murderer. And he was an adulterer. And God says of him, he's a man after my own heart. How do you come to that conclusion, God? What a compliment. What a compliment. Yeah. To know that God says to you, you're my man. You're the one I've chosen. You're my woman. You're full of virtue and wisdom. I'm going to express, God says to you, I'm going to express my kindness, my kind nature through you. I'm going to, I'm going to touch others and express my love through you. And you're, you know, you're basically sitting there full of doubt about yourself because you know where you're at. 
you know what your morning was like. You wanted to kick the dog, you know. I was just thinking about that this morning when I was out doing lawn duty. We got a puppy. And uh, it used to be easy, but now there's leaves in the yard, too, to find the puppy surprises. I was out doing lawn duty this morning, and I thought to myself, why is it so much easier for my shoe to find this than my eyesight? Folks, we all have the same opportunity as David to have in our own personality and in our own way the kind of heart, emotions, and personality of God. God didn't make David great so the rest of us could feel like failures. He made David great in the midst of all of who he was and to say of him, he is a man after my own heart because he's showing us I'm throwing open the door for every one of you to walk through. There's not a one that cannot walk through that door. I've opened it up for you to walk on the highway of holiness. David wasn't set apart because he was the most obedient. He was no more obedient than Moses or the prophets. Certainly not as obedient as Daniel. When you think of Daniel, you think of obedience. It wasn't because of uh, miraculous power. Elijah and Elisha showed much more miraculous power in their ministry than David. Maybe it was because of his military success. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. But Joshua was very successful. So what's the one thing that David had that God would say of him, he is a man after my own heart. I believe he was passionate about pursuing and knowing the emotions of God. God is a very emotional person. It says his love is everlasting. He says in Jeremiah, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's a very passionate, strong emotion. Think of your emotions. Do you have emotions? I'm Scottish. I don't have any emotion. We do have emotions. Anger can be a very expressive emotion. Love is a very powerful emotion. Um, So we have emotions. Well, we have been made into the image of God. And he has given us emotions because he's emotional. He's very strongly emotional. 
In fact, all of his emotions are the strongest ever. We see even in, in the very end of Jesus on the cross, he said, Why have you betrayed and forsaken me? That is a strong emotion. I had an occasion in my life to be very angry at God. I found myself somewhere in mid-America on a trip with my family, and I was angry. We were all hurt. We had all been just totally laid bare. And I'm standing on this bridge over this water, and I remember picking up this rock and throwing it at God and saying this very thing, which looking back at made me laugh. If I get to heaven and I find out you're not real, I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> I believe what distinguished David from the others in the Bible is that it says he was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to explore the emotions of God, and he got on the right side of God's emotion. So many of us Christians live on the wrong side of God's emotion. We think that God's love for us is uh, uh, conditional. Thank you, whoever said that. God's love for us is conditional upon our performance. How I look, how I dress, how I act. I didn't make a bad word when I smashed my thumb. How I do this. And I loved my wife perfectly today. Just ask her. Don't ask my wife anything. She's a very truthful person. <laughs> she will always tell it like it is. David was also a worshiper, but not a worship in the sense of, you know, the right kind of songs, the right kind of music, great songs on Sunday morning that we yeah. do for 20 minutes and Wednesday night. By the way, Friday night uh, worship was just a mind blower. It was so good. You know what's been happening me at that? Two, I missed the first week. I was stuck, we were stuck in traffic on the highway along with others. And... Uh, but the last two times we came, um, I have found that I have placed over my heart for some time now a protective shell that has, has kind of hindered me in a lot of ways. And that has been getting dealt with during worship. Just... God just taking away that protective shell, saying, you can, you can trust me. You can trust me. We're all going to get hurt. We all put that protective shell on in some way or another. But it doesn't have to be uh, turtle wax perfection. We, we can let it go and let God deal with us. And, and he's been really doing that uh, during Friday night worships. We had a, a blowout time. It was great. Anyway, in John chapter 4, verse 23, it says, There will come a time when the worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. 
from a, I believe that that spirit of worship or the spirit is to worship deeply from a heart of total abandonment. I'm going to abandon that protective shell. I'm going to abandon these hurts, these offenses, this feeling. I'm going to abandon that I feel that God is, has not approved of me this week because I failed him. I felt short. You're always going to fall short, especially if you're on the wrong side of God's emotion of his love for you is everlasting. God is love. He loves you so intently. And if we get on the right side of that emotion, we're on the highway of holiness. The highway of holiness is literally lit with God's love. So I, I blew it. I, w- I was pretty mad at my dog this morning for surprising me. There were thoughts going on. I could come here this morning going, well, I know God didn't approve of that. I came this morning with knowing that I'm over here on the right side of God's emotion of love. He loves me. He loves me even though I blew it. He loves me even though I failed. He loves me even though I I fell short. He loves me. He loves you. Holiness and the highway of holiness is discovering the emotions of God and, and understanding His love for you is greater than your utter ability to understand it. And you can't win it. You can't gain it. You can't earn it. It's just God. Well, that must be the end. I'm back to page one. So to worship in truth means to means understanding the truth about God's heart and personality. I love that I serve God that loves me. He's not a fiery, angry person who's waiting for me to to make a mistake. You know, we we had our grandsons here with us this weekend. By the way, parents with young children, once again, our appreciation of how you get here in time for church with your kids has uh, uh, been renewed. Uh, we, we, we understand that. Um, but every time they make a mistake, I'm not ever angry. I find I'm not angry. It's different. With my kids, I got angry. With my grandkids, I don't get angry. I picture God more like he's, he's our father, but he has that, I think, that place where grandparents grow into more of that knowledge of what he's really like. So anyway, let's all stand. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.